Welcome to episode 17 of Art Everywhere. My guest today is Raj Little. What's up, Raj? What's up, people? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, look. You make probably my favorite flavor profile of beer in town. How the hell did you get involved in this and how did you get so good at it? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, many, many moons ago. <laughs> now, probably around uh, 2007, I was introduced to Belgian-style beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, my buddy had a craft beer bar specialized in the Belgian-style beers. And uh, basically, it, it, it resonated with my palate. And what's a what is a, a Belgian style beer compared to like an American lager? Like what is what is what what makes them different? What makes it Belgian style? So, uh, <laughs> well, they're made in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main thing. But uh, as far as like American and European style beers, it's typically the yeast. You got different yeast strains. So, like with uh, say uh, European pub ale. They're going to use a European yeast. So in America, when we do American Pellels, we're going to use an American ale yeast. Oh, that's very cool. So you you tried this Belgium style beer, and what you just said, what the fuck is that? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I was always searching for flavor. My first beer was a Guinness. Oh, yeah, yeah. So and I was like, wow. I picked up on like the uh, the chocolate notes. There was, there was a little bit of tartness to it, uh, like a little bit of coffee flavor to it. So I was always searching for the flavor. You know, who's got that flavor? I didn't find the flavor. And, You're a connoisseur. Uh, Come you know, on, man. Not, no. Look, at some people, I <laughs> know a, you, you give them a beer that you're like, oh, dude, this beer is amazing. And they'll just drink like half of it in one drink. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah. But you know what I mean? There's cats like that. And then there's cats who are like, ooh, yeah, this is I, nice. And they're... You know, you're, you could see them thinking about the beer as they're drinking it. That That's me. I'm, I'm a sipper. Yes. You know, I'd like to enjoy every sip. If it's a good beer, just, you know, just kind of vibe with it. You know, that beer might set the tone of the room for me, you know. So yeah. uh, just sipping. I'm looking, looking at different things like, uh, is it sweet, dry? You know, what's going on with the hops? You know, what's going on with the yeast, you know, you get your esters, which, you know, that, that, that's, you know, aroma, you know, what the beer smells like. So, you know, it's like, like just having all of your senses tune in to what's in that glass or cup or beer can or beer bottle. That's fucking cool, man. And you just you said, you know what, this shit's so good. I'm going to fucking make it. It, it, it was good, man. I was exposed to a lot of beers after that. Uh, you know, my buddy gave me a sour beer. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a Rodenbach sour brown. It was the most grossest thing I ever <laughs> tasted, but I made myself drink it. And two days later, I was, I was craving it. Wow. Yeah, so I went back. Every day that he was open for a month, and that's what I drank after work. I would allow a lot myself one beer after work, and that's what I drank for a month. So that opened me up to, you know, trying the sour beers. And kettle sours weren't even around. 
back then. They were like straight sours. And what's the difference between a sour and a kettle sour? So a kettle sour is more contained. You know, you can control it. You know, with a, a true sour beer, you put it in a barrel and you let all the bacteria do its thing. You know, so and, you know, out in the world that we live in, there's natural yeast in the air. So you can do open fermentations and yeast will fall on that wort. Next thing you know, it's bubbling. You know, so the fermentation yeah. process has started. That's kind of like sourdough. You could put yeah. like a, a, a dough exactly. out like next to a f- bowl of fruit or something. Yep. And all of a sudden you got some shit bubbling in there. Yep. Yep. That's uh-huh. exactly. And with the kettle sour, what do you do? So with a kettle sour, like the way that we do it at Oak Park Brewing, you know, we pitch the uh, bacteria, you know, so it's all, it's sterilized, created, you know, basically propagated to where, you know, we can control it. Like we do it in our kettle, like in a, once you put it in a barrel, you can't control it. Right. You know, it's going to do what it does, you know, but like with our equipment, we can't afford to do traditional style sours. Because if we mess up and something gets <laughs> contaminated, that's we can only brew that because it's going to be really hard to get all of that bacteria out of your system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fucking cool, man. So you just started going down this road. Yeah, yeah, it was a journey, man. And I'm, I'm glad that I, you know, fell into it. Because I was already surrounded by brewery owners, you know, brewers, home brewers, uh, craft beer fans, uh, beer snobs. <laughs> and w- so and it just w- made w- sense. What was the time frame for this? And, and like, because you told me that you're, you're not from Sacramento. Like, um, how, does, how does this all come together? So I'm from North Carolina. That's, that's where I grew up. I wasn't in the beer. I moved out to Sacramento in 2000. So you think about 2007, you know, I'm hanging out with my friends and I really didn't drink, you know, so that was interesting. You know, they, every night at 930 sharp, hey, let's go to the triangle. You know, so I got burned out on that really quick. But uh, in 2007, you know, my homie had a spot and, you know, gave me an opportunity. We had a business venture together and while I was there sorry about that while I was there I learned a lot about beer the brewing process uh the two styles there's only two styles of beers L's lagers but then we have all of these other beers that fall under those under the umbrellas of lagers and L's so a pilsner is really what a a lager yeah Okay. Yeah, so basically the yeast is going to ferment at a lower temperature. So typically under like 50 degrees when you get when you get into the L's, it's typically going to be above 50, typically around 60 and up. Holy shit, dude. There's a lot of science involved. So yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. had to go to school for this, right? Uh, I went to public school. <laughs> hey, man. No, you can you can go to school to become a brewer and learn all the uh the uh layman's terms you know but uh jeff and myself so jeff's the other brewer at oak park brewing we're basically home brewers and we learned we got around people that knew what we didn't and we could we still do that to this day and we learn from them you know if we don't know 
we can call somebody who does and hopefully they'll sew into us and we'll try it if it works. Yay. If not, let's make it, let's, let's get to where it's better. So uh, no formal training on my end, but uh, just drinking a lot of beer, not to get drunk, but like just trying to educate myself on what this beer is. Yeah, because it's it's like a it's kind of like a muscle, dude. Like yeah. the more you train it, like the more you think about like what you're drinking. Like it's it's hard for me to drink a fucking Budweiser, because I'm like, dude, there's nothing, there's nothing here. There's you know, you take a sip and you taste some beer, and then you just taste like fizz or something weird. It, it, it's not there's there's nothing there. Whereas when you go to craft places, even if even if the flavor isn't something you like. You go to a, a, a real brewery, and you can taste like a complexity. Like that's one thing I found. I was like, "Holy shit! Like this is weird." Because you know, I grew up drinking fucking forties before we started. I was talking about when they used to give us uh, when we used to buy forties. They'd put a, a couple of paper <laughs> cups on top of the forty. Be like, "There you go," because yeah, yeah. they knew that we we're gonna share it with our friends. You know what I mean? And uh, here, let's let's get some refills going. And right yeah. now we're drinking. What are we? What are we drinking? Man, this is one of our Black History Month collaboration beers. It's the uh, Oak Park Double Mystic Cloud Hazy IPA. And is this different from the one that's in the can? Uh, well, they're both in the can right now. So we have. But the the, the regular Mystic. The regular Mystic is one of our flagship beers. It sells extremely well. Uh, so yeah. uh, for I, this, I, I buy that shit. yeah. So <laughs> this is this might be a one-off. Jeff and I was like. We're just like, hey, let's do a uh, double hazy version of the Mystic and see what happens. That's a win. Yeah. Bro, that's a win. Yeah. So uh, we're going to play around with that. We might do that as a seasonal or just special occasion. Beer, it's really good. I'm, I'm proud of it. You know, we knocked it out the box on it, and it, it holds up side by side with the original Mystic. Yeah. Like the beer you guys make is always so drinkable. Thank even, you. Even even um, <laughs> I drink a lot of it. <laughs> well, there's there's three places where I can pretty much drink anything they make, even though I don't really like stouts. I don't I don't really care for stouts. I don't really care for sours. Um, mostly because they just there's something with my body chemistry, whereas I can't drink um, any kind of fermented fruit. Okay. Right. So like if like any kind of wine, any kind of you know anything ciders, I can't do it. As soon as I smell it, I start getting a headache. Okay. Right. So that's sours, and then um, stouts. I can only drink stouts if I'm already if I'm already a couple of beers in. Okay. And then I can like okay let's let's get behind this, but I can't start with the stout. Okay. Yeah, and that's 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 something that I learned. Uh, certain beers resonate with me different times right. at different at different times of the year. Yeah, yeah. So like I, IPAs in the winter, you know, uh, pilsners, lagers for me. Anyway, that's that's how that's how it is. Like, you give me a triple in the summer, and I'm like, oh, dude, I can't drink that. Yeah, I'm and a, you give it to me in the middle of winter, and I'm like, oh, let me get another one of those. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm definitely a, 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 I'm fond of the bigger, the higher ABV beers. You yeah. know, definitely in the cooler weather, but you know, summertime. You know, it depends on if it's a really good beer, I'll drink it. It can be 14, 15% if it's good. Yes. You know, I'm going to sip on it. I'm not going to, you don't chug those kind of beers. Yeah. And, you know, my, my thing about saying that was that, like, I can drink 
all of your beers. Like you guys have a, a every every brewery has like a, a flavor profile. Maybe it's the yeast. And we've talked about this before. Like there's the yeast. There's some. There's a couple of places where I go, and I'm like, I can't drink more than two of these because I feel like a hangover already coming on. Oh wow! And it might be like the yeast or something. I'm I'm weird like that. I have a weird chemistry, I guess. No, that's. I mean, that's valid. But yeah. dude, I go to, I go to OPB, and I'll fuck around. And I'll taste all the fucking beers, and they're all really good. It's. Here in Sacramento, my favorite breweries are you guys, number one, and New Glory. Solid. And um, Urban Roots. Solid. Those are my top three. I mean, we could get into the other ones, but that, that, that's my top three. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go to bat for those ones anytime. Yeah, yeah. I think those, those breweries are definitely, you know, solid. Uh, we're good friends with those guys. And, you know, I, I'm super excited for Sacramento. Know, like just to see how many breweries we have right now and everybody starting to up their game on the brewing, you know, because like you said, some breweries back in the day you would go to, they would have like one or two beers out of 10 yeah, that were like solid. But like now across the board, everybody's like stepping up. And, um, and do you think that's from like you guys, like learning from everybody? Like learning, like, hey, how'd you how'd you get that like that flavor, like that thing at the end, like what what is that? You know what I mean? Like you yeah, know, when you taste the beer and you're like, what does that finish at the end? What is that? And yeah, that, like, oh, that, dude, that's another good question, man. Uh, on our end, I think Jeff and I we just communicate really well. You know, it's like when it comes down to the beer, like it's got to be consistent. If it's a beer we're reproducing, you know, like every other month, you know, but uh. Just paying attention to your ingredients. It's like cooking your favorite dish. It's rare that you're going to mess it up, right? Right. Once you get it to where you want to go, you know, it's rare. So we just take that approach like cooking. You know, it's like once our recipe's dialed in, we don't deviate from it. So once you start tweaking it, it's another beer. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah, so we, we're very mindful of sticking to what is good. You know, yeah. so uh and well you for, guys you guys drink beer that you guys like. Yeah, I mean I I can't wait to go to other breweries, man. There's so many beers out there that I want to try. You know, some of my favorite beers that I haven't had in about two years. I want to go and see if they still taste like the beers if they, if they give you that, that they were. That fuck yeah. You know yeah, when you yeah. you know when you get a beer like right off the tap and you take that first sip as you're walking back to your to your table and you're like, oh fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it should be, man. And uh, you know, one thing that we share with a lot of our customers, every beer has a story with us. Yeah, you, know, you guys so. are you guys are doing this um, these collaborations for Black History Month. Uh, please tell me more. We were talking a little bit about them earlier, but um, I didn't know the depth of these until you started telling me. And I'm I'm sure people would love to know about yeah the the four. Yeah, different yeah. cans and what they mean, the meaning behind them and the pictures on them. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'll post these on the, when I uh, post the Instagram stories, I'll, I'll make sure to highlight all these. And I might even DM you, uh, I might even hit you up with some questions about some of them because it's really cool, man. And I think it's important to tell these stories and it's important that, you know, that you're here telling these stories. Yeah, yeah. So with this, uh, this is a second edition. This is a 2022 edition. We did the first one last year, 2021, uh, we chose to work with these same three black-owned breweries 
that we worked with last year. So they are Hunters Point in San Francisco, Helicoastal in Oakland, and Full Circle Brewing out of Fresno. So basically, we each, the plan was to have every brewery have their own mixed four-pack of this hazy IPA. Almost like a sampler. Yeah. So, you know, but uh, on our end, everybody showed up. So we have the complete four-pack. And uh, each beer is a different hazy, you know, because we want to educate people in and outside of the can. You know, so we're showcasing the hazy style. Um, the outside of the can, the artwork was curated by Milton Bowens. If you've never seen Milton Bowens work or heard about him, definitely look him up on social media. So he has a signature style. Once you see it, you never forget it, and you'll always recognize it when you see it. So uh, Milton did all the artwork. So this year we chose four unsung heroes uh, in the black I guess what's what's a good word uh, that are black people, <laughs> yeah. So uh, and everybody had their own triumph, you know. So we had a uh, John S. Abbott, you know, he was the guy. I like that bowler oh. hat. I like that bowler. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a fucking. That's a. That's a a look. You know what I mean? That, yeah. Like, uh, when did he live? So he was born in the early 1900s. And maybe maybe the eight, late 1800s. Oh, well, it's on makes, the can, so. Yeah, that makes sense, because, like, when I see a yeah. bowler like that, I think of, like, the Three Stooges times. Yeah, so. Like, no, how, how actually, the men wore suits. Like, anywhere you're going, you're wearing a suit. You're going to go buy groceries? You're in a suit. Yeah, yeah. And you're wearing a hat. Yeah, yeah. Th- those days were That's, dope. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah. You were clean to the bone. Yeah, yeah, for everywhere sure. You were. Even football games, baseball yeah. games. You're wearing a suit. You know, so uh, he was born in the mid-1800s. So he launched the Chicago Defender, in, two, in 1903. Whoa. Yeah, he uh, spent $0.25, cent, uh, put out a pamphlet. It was like 300 pamphlets, and that was his first edition of the uh, Chicago Defender. He started that because he couldn't get a job as a lawyer. He was, he was former military, went to college, became a lawyer, couldn't get a job, but he had a skill set working with flat printing, so he started his own magazine. So uh, the second person is Bessie Coleman. She was the first African-American to get a pilot's license. Nobody would work with her in the United States, so she had to go to France. How did I know you were going to yeah. say France? Yeah. You were going to yeah. say France. So, so weird thing, like I'm, I'm kind of a like war buff and weird shit sticks in my head, right? And... Um, the American GIs, the black American GIs, when they went over to France, a lot of them after the war stayed yep. or they went back because yep. they're like, dude, France is where it's at. Like, they love us. Like, yeah. we walked down the street and, you know, they treat us like like heroes. You know what I mean? And it's, they're like, I ain't going back to the United States. Fuck yeah, yeah. that. And their grandkids are fucking speaking French now. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and with, and this is a connection that we found out doing the research. So... John Abbott funded Bessie Coleman's trip to France. Holy shit. Yeah. So I was like, wow. So this is just a, a random connection that you, that you guys came across? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, holy snap. Yeah. You know, but uh, so, 
you know, she got her pilot's license, came back to the United States, couldn't get hired, you know, as a pilot. So she would do like crop dusting. And she also participated in like air shows, you know. So, but one of the main things that she focused on, she wanted to start a school for people of color that wanted to learn how to fly planes. But, uh, you know, her life was cut short. Um, she died in a plane accident, you know, and she wasn't even the pilot. She was just riding, you know, to oh, execute shit. the maneuver for the uh, May the Festival show? that they were going to do the next day. So, well, dude, look, you ever see the fucking planes they flew back then? Yeah. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I, I think about the fucking, them rickety fucking things that they strapped machine guns to during the war. And I'm like, what the fuck? You flew across the Pacific? Yeah, yeah. And this thing, you're like in a big boat. And you say, hey, see that thing right there? That fucking, that lawnmower? <laughs> that fucking super <laughs> lawnmower with the machine gun on it? Yeah, you're going to fly that, dude. Yeah, yeah. Man, and fucking people did. And then back here at home, people were like, hey, you know what? We could fucking dust our crops with these things. And they fucking did. It's, it's wild, yeah. dude. I think about that all the time. Like, how how people just said, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that flight. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck no, dude. Yeah, so, you know, she definitely, like, a lot of people know about Amelia Earhart. Of course. Yeah, but this is who you really want to know, Bessie Coleman. You know, yeah, because so. it, she had, like, two strikes against her, dude. Yep. And not yeah. just, she's not just a woman. She's not just a black person. She's, yep. she's got both, and she wants to be a pilot. Yeah, and her inspiration, man, she was, she was having conversations with war vets that were coming back from war in the First World War. You know, so she was hearing stories and she just, she got motivated, inspired, and inspired to pursue becoming a pl pilot. You know, so that that's incredible. You know, she had the will to do it. Uh, she spoke it out in the world and, you know, she got that license she needed. That's fucking beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah. So this guy right here, Frederick McKinley Jones, this is the homie right here. So he was responsible for refrigerated transportation. So he was the guy that put it on trains, planes, and automobiles. So uh, he's the reason that you have all of your produce, refrigerated produce and meats and things like that are that are refrigerated and transported to wherever they're sending it to. Whoa. So yeah, so he was also former military. Uh, no formal education, self-taught. He was a mechanic. Uh, he was just a tinkerer. You know, if there was a will, there was a way he figured it out. But uh, once he got back from the military, he ended up getting involved with a, uh, with a company, and he became an engineer, so they certified him. You know, so without his contribution to transportation, refrigeration we'd have a bunch of spoiled food yeah yeah because i mean think about people in i mean you think in, about in idaho or something like how are you going to get some beef you can you even mean? go way deeper than that cars have air conditioners i know that model t <laughs> my model t <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like what tops down windows down it's hot you know, oh, so dude. yeah, yeah, but that's, uh, that's fucking cool. Literally, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, you got to chill. 
yeah, I noticed yeah. that. And, and who's this artist that, that did all this work again? So this is Milton Bowens. Milton Bowens. So Milton used to live here in Sacramento. He's in Alabama right now. Uh, he's from Oakland. He has a unique story, and if if you don't mind me plugging something that we no, did this no, past no. weekend, I definitely recommend going to check out uh, Chill Out and Have a Cold One. Jeff and I, we do a weekly Thursdays, 4 o'clock. Thursday, so we did one for brunch on this past Saturday. It was straight fire. Milton was dropping jewels. I didn't know that he was former military. So he was a ranger, but they found out that he could draw and they put him into the uh, the illustration department with all the propaganda stuff. <laughs> Whoa, shit! Yeah, so he dropped a bunch of jewels, man. It's a great episode, you know. So if you guys, you guys have chance, it saved on the yeah, yeah, and we can we can find that where in the yeah, you can go to the Instagram, stories? yeah, Instagram, and you'll just see. Uh, I think that what was the Live? date on Saturday? Whatever the date was on Saturday, I, I don't remember. I don't even know what the date out. today is, bro. Yeah, I'm terrible. But it'll have like a caption with Milton Bowens. So it was uh, 2-12-22 with Milton Bowens. So chill out and have brunch with Raj and Jeff. That was really good, man. So uh, with this final can, this lady, Mary Ellen Pleasant. I mean, there's so much information out there, and and it's all vague. But she made money. So I'm like, she was a hustler. Yeah, she's definitely a hustler. Uh, she was the uh, first Rosa Parks in California. So she had a few civil lawsuits against the state of California and trolley companies because they wouldn't let her ride the trolleys. And she won those cases. You know, but uh, she's known for being an entrepreneur and a professional capitalist. You know, she actually funded uh, John Smith. Like, uh, I, I won't call it an assault, but Harper's Ferry. Yeah, she, she funded that campaign. So I what don't is, know if you what know. Is, what, I don't know what that is. I'm not so John Smith, he basically set up a campaign to where they were going to try to overthrow you know, a certain party because they were all about equal rights, yada, yada, yada. It didn't go so well. So he, was ended up, he ended up being executed. You know, he was captured judge and execute it it's a unique story uh, a lot of people don't know about it but uh, yeah i've never heard of it yeah check it out when you get a chance but she was good friends with them and uh funded that campaign so that's yeah. wild man so yeah so like i said man we try to educate people in and outside of the can provoke thought you know that's, when you that's it right yeah, spark yeah. a brain isn't that isn't that the, the the old saying, yeah, you yeah. want to spark the brain. Yeah, because if you look at the artwork on the cans, I mean, it just catches your eye. And then when you, you actually pick the cans up and start reading it, you're like, wow, this is the artist that did it. This is the brewery that did it. Like, now you have all of this information. You know, do a little bit of research, and you're learning something about all of us. You know, so and I got to shout out the team and the breweries, everybody that put this together, man. I couldn't have did it by myself. It was an idea. I brought it to the table last year. And, uh, well, it was brought to the table last year. Let me rephrase that. It was brought to the table, and then I kind of, you know, ran with it. Hey, what about this? What about blah, 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 blah. And it turned into what it was and what it is this year. Dude, that's fucking cool, man. That's beautiful. You know, I was going to say, you know, you and Jeff are – 
or are artists because you can you can crack a book, you can go to a school, you can learn all the science behind something and still not nail it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but a curious mind that's that might be untrained, that just has that curious like what is this? What is that? You start asking questions like I like this and you start, you know, pulling at that thread. All of a sudden some magic starts happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and you guys, you know, it makes sense. You know, because you guys are artists, but you guys are passionate about that shit. And you guys want to keep getting better and better and better and just getting consistent with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that, uh, like, consistency is a good word. And I think we're, we're definitely consistent. And uh, quality is always a part of that. You know, so it's just we don't deviate from what we did. If it turned out how we wanted it to turn out, bam. Let's stay with it. Might tweak it just a little bit. If we say, oh, you know, it needs to be a little more bitter. You know, we know how to get that bitterness. We know how to elevate that bitterness. But as far as, like, adding different ingredients, you know, once you do that, then it's a different beer. If you don't use the same ingredients, it's a different beer. You know, so it it is a science to it. Uh, We're learners. You know, so we're open. If we're, if we're not doing it right, let us know, and uh, we'll figure it out. Well, how did you fall in with Oak Park, with, uh, with OPB? Because now, like, I, I came in, and you guys were already established. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I started coming around, and, like, I can't think of it of the place without you guys. Yeah, so a lot of people don't know that Oak Park, there was a ownership before us. They closed. Uh, they went down in a bad way. I look at I I tried one of their beers one time and this was years ago. Right? I just took a taste. Right? I bought some at um Total Wine. Bought a four pack. I'm like, hey, I live in Oak Park. You know what I mean? I used to live down the street. And I go, hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try one of these. I tried it and I was like, Yeah, this tastes like old Oak Park. Oh wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it tastes like wild Oak Park. I'm like, this ain't this ain't the one. So I just kind of, you know, just kind of shied away from it, shied away from it. And then um, I started seeing bands coming out here and playing, like on the patio. And I was like, what's going on over there? You know what I mean? Walking by and like smelling the food. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then I ended up moving out before I could drop in. And then when I dropped in, it was just a totally different place. Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing that's when you guys. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and and this is a cool story, man. Somewhere down the line, I'm hoping to write a a few different books because I've done a lot and I definitely think brewing would be a really good, you know, my brewing journey would be a really good read. So uh, I met Jeff at the old ownership's homebrew day, the people that used to own the first Oak Park. Oh, wow. I met Jeff and Becca at their homebrew day. You know, I walked in and I was like, Man, nobody offered me a beer. That ain't how we do it. <laughs> we have homebrew days. You walk in, hey, you want a beer? Bam. You know, so I was like, man, I want this. You know, so I got a couple beers, and I saw Jeff and Becca walking in. Hey, what's up? I'm Raj. You know, thanks for coming out. You know, here's a beer. Here's a beer. And uh, we just became cool, man. You know, it's like, 
we just became cool when they started talking about opening up their brewery. As uh, if you don't know, Jeff and Becca used to be co-owners of Track Seven here in Sacramento, and uh, you know, long story short, they parted ways from that business. Uh, one day, I was just sitting around. I was like, "Man, I haven't talked to Jeff and Becca in almost a year and a half," and we had a business venture together that dissipated and you know it was you know pretty amicable cool you know it just, just ran, ran its course, course. Yeah. yeah so you know and we're we're cool they're good people man i know their hearts yeah they're, they're, they're good people they're good people man yeah yeah so you know that day i was like man i haven't talked to jeff and becca i wonder what they're doing jeff texted me the next day hey man let's meet up and grab coffee i was like okay you know, so I met up with them, uh, you know, just caught up first. We didn't talk business, you know, because I, I considered them friends. How's the family? How are the kids? Blah, 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 you know, and then I was like, man, what happened? And he was like, hey, we just had to walk away. And that, I was like, cool. Okay, if they walked away, it had to be something that they weren't cool with because they're really good people. But anyway, uh, he ended up letting me know what he had going on. Hey. You know, it's like we're thinking about opening up Oak Park. Uh, just wanted to know if you would be interested in coming on as a brewer. And I said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just straight up. I was like, no. You know, so he goes, hey, man, just just think about it. Give me like six to 12 months. You know, we'll move forward and, you know, let's revisit this conversation. So a couple months down the road, uh, I get a phone call on my message, on my voice message. Hey, Ross, this is KJ, man. Give me a call, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Wait, KJ? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, for like, those who don't know, let them know. Yeah, so basically Kevin Johnson, the former mayor of Sacramento and uh, Phoenix Suns. What, what, what do you play? Point guard? Well, yeah. Uh, in his era, probably the best point guard who who didn't have, if he'd have had like two other solid, good, great players, he'd have been. He'd have been up there. Yeah, way yeah. up it's, there. Because the stuff he did on, on his own with, with fucking, uh, was it, was the, uh, he had Barkley at the end. Barkley, you know, yeah. and at the end of the 76ers, 76ers run. But, uh, dude, at, at that point, man, that dude was my favorite point guard. In the uh, in the NBA, not yeah. not to catch you off, but like the I saw him walking around here one day, and I almost lost my shit, bro. Wow! I was like, it's fucking, it's fucking KJ. And I just fucking, I was just like, really cool. It's really cool. I was like, he walked by. I go, hey, what's up, buddy? And he goes, oh, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, all right. I was like, fuck, bro. That was fucking tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, but he just casually calls you. Like, yeah, and I'm like, man, who's? I was like, why would he be calling me? You know, it's like if somebody's playing a joke on me, blah, 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 blah. I was like, eh, discard it. Jeff texted me like a few minutes later. <laughs> hey, KJ's going to be calling you. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, so I hit him back. Hey, KJ, this is Raj, man. I got your uh, message. Jeff hit me up. What's going on? Hey, man, I want to talk to you about something, blah, blah, blah. Meet me here on this day, blah, blah, blah. Can't make it. I was like, let me find out what my schedule was, blah, blah, blah. I'll hit you back. So we ended up meeting, I think, two or three times over the course of like two and a half months. 
you know, because I, you know, I was just like, man, I got a job, you know. What and were you doing? So I was in the beer world, you know. So I was working with a company. We would do beer festivals. We did uh, beer trailers, beer truck, equipment rentals. You know, like, we did a lot, you know. So and I was running uh, that show for a while, you know. So uh, eventually what did it for me that made me jump on the Oak Park Brewing train, Kevin started talking about the vision. And when he started talking about the vision, I was like, okay, this is what I do anyway. You know, I get a chance to make beer, and uh, whenever I get into anything, I'm like, it's got to make sense. So, you know, I leaned into my mentors and coaches, let them know what was going on. So long story short, after about a two and a half, three months, like vetting process, I was like, okay, let's do it. You know, so since that day, it's just made sense. You know, so, uh, you know, with the sweat equity that I put into the business, you know, I was brought on as a partner, co-owner, as of, you know, like a month and a half, or a month and a half ago. You know, so it's it's been a journey, man. But uh, I got behind the vision, not job. I can do the job. Anybody can do the job. But it was the vision. And uh, we didn't know how to, to define the vision, but Becca came up with the ABCs, and it definitely defines what we're doing at Oak Park. So the ABCs, that stands for Art, Beer, Community. You know, so that's my journey on how I ended up at Oak Park. And uh, there's more to it, but, uh, you know, I'll try to keep that short. <laughs> oh, bro, we, you know, we're... I love stories like this. I love stories like this. Be I, I got because, some because they're 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 unexpected, dude. Yeah, like yeah. you know, there's there's some people who are like, you know, when I was eight years old, I wrote on the on the on the living room wall above the couch, I wrote, "I'm gonna be a superstar," and you know, from that day on, is I'm like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. But most people are like. I don't know how I'm going to fucking go to school tomorrow because my shoes ripped and yeah. my mom can't buy me shoes. You know what I mean? And, and people are just going from one thing to the next. And when, when you hear a story where people just say, Hey, you know, some cool shit happened. And I, you know, I felt it like I, I knew this is what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then just to kind of jump on what you were just saying, about, you know, people making excuses. Basically, that's what it is when you're trying to, when you want to do something and you can't move forward. It's excuses. You know, I remember as a kid, we were poor. I remember wearing my cleats to school. <laughs> Same, bro. Same, right? bro. I wore I my soccer like, cleats to school. I liked school, you know, because, you know, I was an artist. So I knew every day that I went to school, I was going to go to art enrichment. I didn't want to miss school. You know, but I was like, man, I don't have any shoes. My shoes are all falling apart. I was like, I got my cleats. And, hey, you know, I wanted to draw. Yeah, but I got a quick story about KJ. So, oh, man, when Oak Park Farmer's Market started, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, I was a part of that. Curating was and it growing 15? I can't, like I can't 14 or 15? remember. It was a while back, but it used to be where, the, where Slim and Huskies and all those apartments are. Yeah. 
that was all leveled. It was just straight dirt and sun. <laughs> I, re- I remember, dude. I, yeah. I remember Oak Park before the fancy folks. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, one day Kevin's coming through, kissing babies, shaking hands. I'm yeah. like, this dude's styling and profiling. <laughs> and I told my friend, I was He's like, He's the hey. mayor, bro. I was like, He's hey, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. You know, so I was like, hey, take my camera. I'm just going to walk up to him and just take pictures. You know, so he's kissing babies and shaking hands, and he got close to me. I was like, hey, man, if we're going to take this picture, come on. And, like, we got two quick pictures, and he's like, oh. You know, so uh, when we sealed the deal with him, he was like, hey, Raj, man, let's take a picture together. I was like, what? The old ones don't work? And he was like, he was discombobulated. But he doesn't remember that, you know, because there was a lot of people there. But I was like, man, I'm going to get him. He's, I, I can get him right now. Digging it out of the vault. Yeah, yeah. So I, I still have that, you know, those pictures. But uh, and the first time I met Kevin, I was like, man, I thought he was tall. He's 6'2", man. That ain't tall. That ain't, look, I'm 5'7", 5'8", yeah, bro. I'm a short <laughs> fucker, dog. You're, so you're that's vertically so that's challenged. But... But what's crazy is like no, like he's good. like he's tall, right? He's he's tall compared to fucking your average Mexican dude. He's fucking tall, right? That's like six Jeff. Two. Jeff six seven. That's not tall to me. That's tall as fuck. Bro. That's not. I'm like, dude. He's only a couple inches shorter than I am. Bro, I, I look like uh, when I stand next to Jeff, it looks like he's got to accompany me on a ride. <laughs> or he can fair, bro. pick you up and burp you. <laughs> He's you know, like some big Nordic dude, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, one thing about KJ, listen to this. I was at Family Circus, right, down the street over here on Broadway. Pancake Circus? Pancake Circus. Yeah, that's my circus. Family my Circus jam. is the comic strip. <laughs> yeah. But pan, Pancake Circus. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm there at Pancake Circus with my mom and my sister and my nephew and my niece. There were, there was a few of us, and we, we went to go have breakfast there. And Kevin Johnson was there, and I go, hey, dude, that's Kevin Johnson. And my nephew's like, what? I go, the basketball player. One of the greatest port, uh, point guards ever fucking. He was like on the dream team, the whole nine. Like he's fucking, he's a legend. He's like, oh, dude. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I think he has, my nephew had some of my cards that, uh, oh, that wow. I left while, while I was away at prison. I think he got some of my cards. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played for the Suns. Like, yeah, played for the Suns. That's right. He goes, um, I go, wait. And when he's done eating. You know, you can ask him, you know, he'll, he'll shake your hand. He's, you know, he's a really nice guy. Just, you know, tell me, you know, you just want to say hello. So we kind of, we're kind of leaving at the same time. So I go, hey, just hang back and, you know, go meet him. And uh, my nephew walks up to him. And he's, like, he's like, hey, he's like, you're Kevin Johnson, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, hey, nice to meet you, man. You know, Kevin's, you know, he's, he's a pro at this. He's like, yeah, man, hey, nice to meet you. And my nephew's like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you too, man. And uh, Kevin Johnson, dude, he goes, he's like, hey, what's your name? And my nephew tells him, oh, I'm Javier Hernandez. And he's like, oh, that's, and he asks him some questions. Like, what, what grade are you in? What are you doing in school? Like, oh, that's cool. Hey, you know what? Do you have an email? My nephew's like, yeah, I got an email. He's like, all right, hey, let me get your email. He's like, I'll email you sometime. And dude, if like two weeks later, my nephew doesn't call me and say, hey, I got a fucking email from Kevin Johnson saying it was nice meeting me, stay in school and keep up. I was like, dude, that's fucking awesome, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. That's, that's fucking awesome. That dude's a real deal. Yeah, yeah, man. And, uh, you know, that's, yeah, man. Yeah. That was cool. You know, he gave me an opportunity and, uh, you know, I just ran with it, you know? So yeah, good dude. Yeah. Well, well, dude, look, 
sometimes in life, you know, you know who to give the ball to. You know what I mean? And he, he saw you and was like, that's the guy. And, you know, that's, that's a conversation in itself. Because we are a black-owned brewery, you know, and one of the stipulations was if Jeff wasn't going to be a part of it, then Kevin wasn't going to be a part of it. Another stipulation that Kevin had is, like, he wanted a black brewer. Jeff goes, oh, I got the perfect got person, the like, right off the bat. You know, so, uh, yeah, man, it's been amazing. Jeff and Becca and, you know, with the addition of Brittany Claypool coming on, I think our, our infrastructure on the brew team is, like, amazing. You know, so we're all go-getters. We make it work. And uh, it's just having opportunities. You know, so we're looking to pay it forward. Uh, you know, I was approached by one of our customers, and she was like, hey, what are you doing to, like, educate people outside of this? I was like, man, I try to have as many conversations as I can with people, you know, especially people of color, and they want to know more about the brewing industry, what's going on with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, I definitely want to eventually get to a point to where we can work with kids that are coming out of high school, going into college, so we can give them the skill set. If they have to work, they can get a job in a brewery and have that skill set and make some, you know, make some money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, even if it's slinging beers, you know, at least you know what these beers are. You can, you can tell people what they taste like, what they smell like, how they were created, what region they came from, what part of the world or, you know, so they'll have. Well, well, here's here's the thing that I told my nephew, right? Um, He wanted to be an engineer once upon a time. And there was a, uh, an internship that came open at a company and he's like he's like i don't know if i should take it because i want to do this i want to spend some time with my friends i want to i said hey look you're going to college right he's like yeah i'm going to college i said well look everyone in your class is going to get the same fucking piece of paper as you so what's going to set you apart you know it's going to be real world experience if you have that even if it's just three months, you know, the summertime, whatever it is, even if you just have that, dude, that's going to set you apart from everyone else in that class. And, you know, there's been so much emphasis placed on college, which, which is cool because it's going to expand your mind. You're going to meet new people. You're going to be in new situations. You're going to be, in, you know, forced to, to, to think about things you haven't thought about before. Those are all good things. But then what? Everyone's getting the same piece of paper as you. You know, have a fucking skill set, dude. Like in anything, that's what that's that's what I want to tell my kids. Like, hey, look, you don't got to get straight A's for me. You, if you don't want to get straight A's, then that's that's on you. I just want you to do your best at everything, and whatever you like doing the most, get really good at it. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, and that's a conversation like with what you just said. That's something that I, you know, share with my son and my daughter, and. This is between us, so as long as moms aren't listening, I don't give a crap about grades. I don't care about a GPA because when you get out in the real world, nobody talking about that crap. Can you do the work? You know, and, uh, you know, it's like I want to push my kids to be in business owners. Yes. You know, work for yourself. So you don't have to punch, you might have to 
punch a clock to learn something. But eventually, if it's yours, they can't take it away from you. If they can take it away from you, it was never yours. Correct. You they know? can't take a skill set. Can't take a skill set. Yeah, you have that knowledge, dude, yeah, in, yeah. in whatever industry you might want to be in. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so. if it's something you love, you're always going to be drawn to it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's a great segue to go back to the beer. <laughs> I, I love beer. It's always going to be in my life. Well, my and, cup's uh, running low, so. And, uh, you know, it's like beer is incredible. A lot of people don't know it. It started back in the days of old Mesopotamia, <laughs> like the old world, the Pangea, you know, like it didn't start in Europe, you know, and a lot of people think that beer started in Germany or They're drinking beer in, uh, in ancient Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah, yeah. you know, so it, it goes back, man. So. That's another thing that we like to share, you know, the history of beer and, you know, who's brewing it and who brewed it, the processes. Um, I have something coming up really soon that it's it's going to be a challenge, but I think I can do it. So I'm not going to put it out there right now with the detail. Yeah. But when, you, when it hits, you guys are going to be like, Whoa. Yeah, so I think we're ready for it. Be prepared so you don't have to get, be ready so you don't have to get ready. Was, uh, was it uh, sugar-free? Uh, and he say if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready? Uh, man, I know who he is, but I've never, <laughs> like, I'm from the East Coast, so I had to oh, learn it's a different style of hip hop. West Coast, underground, I had to learn all of that, you know, so, but I know who he is. Yeah, yeah, sugar-free. And I, I know he's dope. Oh yeah, she can be yeah, dope too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man. So there's everybody has a story, you know, and, and that's why I'm digging what you're doing here. You know, you're sharing, letting people share their stories. You're sharing your story, and that's what it's all about: sitting down and chilling out and having a cold one, if possible, and just sharing di dialogue. Well, I think traditionally. You know, when you go back in history, alcohol has always been used and beer and mead has been around forever. Yes. Right? Those are like the like the first two things, fermented grain and fermented honey, basically. They've been around forever and they were always used like for community gatherings. Yeah. Because they could just kind of make things, they kind of loosen people up a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes too loose. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> people get too loose. Yeah. We've we all been there. Yeah. But you know uh, that's that's one of the things. Like when when I have uh, whenever I host somebody on, I always I always try to provide them with a beer. Like hey, come on, come. You know it'd be weird if we we're sitting around fucking eating pizza or something fucking in yeah. the microphone. It's nobody wants to hear that smacking. Yeah. But you know having a beer is nice. There's there's a like a sense of community, and then you know, some people are a little uptight. There's been a few people who kind of like it, when the lights turn on and they're not even that bright in here, but the lights turn on, they get a little you know. Uh, Halfway through that, uh, through that beer, halfway through that glass of wine, they're like, oh, yeah, so I was going to say. And it's like, ah, well, then say that. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So because I'm, I'm interested, and I think most people are interested in, in people, right, mm -hmm. and honesty. Like the best shows on TV are honest shit. Like the stuff that you can, like, and you can relate to that you can, you're like, oh, dude, that's, 
that's like so-and-so or that's like I've experienced that or that's my dad or or, or something like that. We all kind of feel that. And, you know, when when me and Mario talked about doing this podcast, I was like, you know, I want to get people on here to tell their story, to, to be able to share what they know, to be able to express themselves and to, for other people to, to catch a little shine off of that, you know, cause when you, when you first thought about brewing, like who was the first dude who like gave you a little game? Like, Hey man, check this out. Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta, you know, shout out the big homie, Rob Archie. Uh, he's the owner, Rob Archie and Kendra Archie. They own Pangea beer cafe, urban roots, brewery slash smokehouse and also Bach. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was just being around him, man. He was a good dude. He was straightforward. You know, if you were on some BS, <laughs> he would let you know. But, man, just being around him and his family, when I walked into that spot, I felt like I was at home. You know, and I lived here for seven years. That was the first place that I walked into, and I felt like I was at home. You know, so with having a connection with that entity, I met a lot of people, you know, and so some of the things that I picked up there, definitely at Oak Park Brewing, when you walk in, you should feel comfortable, like, we don't care who you are, you know, we don't care who you are, just don't mess up. Yeah. Just so be cool. Just be cool. Just be cool. Let's man. chill out and have a cold one. Yeah, whatever your just brand like, of cool is, just be that. Yeah, and you yeah. don't have to just let it all go, man. You don't have to stress. And that's know, definitely whatever. a thing because um, whenever I walk into OPB, that's the vibe I get. Like everyone's just chilling, everyone's yeah, just yeah. having a good time, and everybody's so comfortable. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and that's, and, and that's, that's, a testament to the place feeling a certain way when you walk in. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, you know, with Pangea, man, back in the day, it was never lopsided, you know, as far as clientele. And that's something that uh, Rob and I, we have many conversations about that, you know, because I, you know, had a business venture going with him there and it was diverse, the beers, beers were diverse, food was diverse, people were diverse. You know, that diversity, like when you walk into Oak Park, everything's going to be the music, the food, the beers. There's going to be something for everybody, you know. So, and, uh, you know, so you don't get that at a lot of places, you know. So, you know, one day I walked out on our patio, and that almost brought me to tears, you know, because it wasn't like off balance and you had Asians, Indian, like, you know, East Indians, you know, you had people from everywhere, all different skin tones, you know? And I was like, we're doing this. Bro, at the, at the, we are Sacramento beer release, Mm -hmm. the last one in September Mm -hmm. when, when I was on the can, dude, that evening when the beer came out, it was like, it was like fucking magical. For, yeah. for me, anyway, you know, I felt that. I was like, oh, and everybody that was there, I felt like a, a like a kinship with them. Yeah, yeah. And that was that the night with uh, Carlos? No? 
But uh, and that your night was fire too, and the night with Carlos, man, because I was just like, dude, and he was singing on the patio. I'm, yeah, I missed that, man. I was like, you know, it's, it's like with the with the I, I don't know. I hear Latinx, Latino, like you know, that demographic, man. I was like, they were deep, <laughs> and I was like, it was so dope because Carlos, he's like from Colombia. You're from El Salvador. You know, and then we had all these other guys that he was introducing me to. And I was like, dude, this is what I'm talking about. You know, it's like we just opened everybody's eyes and ears up to something different. And it was off the chain and we want to do it again. You know, so just having that diversity, man, is not lopsided. You know, if you come in on some BS, pick up on it really quick. You know, if we don't clientele hey why are you acting like this you yeah know, so, a little funny style like yeah, yeah. Hey, how'd you get yeah, so snooty all of a sudden yeah, yeah it's beer man this thing <laughs> this is the new wine man you just chill and and you it know? is i feel like it is the new wine yeah. it's like the working man's wine mm-hmm. because you know you don't gotta pay 40 dollars a bottle you could I mean, and you you could <laughs> you know yeah but and uh, uh I think that, you know, it's kind of opened the door to like an artisan community in Sacramento because it, it's, Sacramento is very like that. Like when I first got here, I was like, it was 2015 and the arena was just being built. This place was, this whole area in Oak Park was still dirt. Yeah. I think at that it point, was on his, it was on the it's way on up. its way up. Yeah. Yeah. Because as, uh, as Kevin Johnson's term was coming up everything was starting to go up because, you know, he's, he's from the neighborhood. And it, it's funny because I, you know, I was in, in prison in Solano and there was a lot of cats from Oak Park there. And they said, Hey, you know, Kevin Johnson's from, you know, we got the local news from Sacramento. They're like, yeah, Kevin Johnson's from my neighborhood, man. Oh, I grew up with KJ. Like, yeah, he's, you know, he was always kind of a square man. He's a good dude. You know, he still runs around the community right there. Like my mom says she sees him all the time. Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with being a square. Ain't nothing I'm the wrong with being a square, square you're ever gonna meet. I'll, <laughs> I'll say that every day, all day long. Yeah, dude, I'm square. And there's, there's, there's a, there's a, a spirit in this town that I think he tapped into in this area, especially that, you know, the Oak Park didn't really have a voice. Oak Park didn't have a voice. There wasn't, there wasn't anything here. When I first came here, I remember I rode my bike into Midtown because my buddy lived over by where the arena is now. And back then it was just a hole. And I remember riding back and I saw the sign that said Oak Park. And I was like, okay, I'm in Oak Park. And I knew Oak Park was kind of a rough neighborhood, you know, whatever. And I was staying over like down by Fruit Ridge. Okay. And uh, I said, go down MLK and take the back cuts, like the bus route into, uh, into the area. And I was like, you know. It is what it is, man. It's not that bad. You know? And then little by little, man, as I moved, I ended up moving over here by 4th, 4th Avenue, or like 4th Avenue Park, and um, right behind the Walgreens. And I started seeing the neighborhood, like, come up. And like I said, you, you see Kevin Johnson out here getting his hair cut at the, yeah. you know, at the barbershop. I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, well, and this is something that I learned. So I did the history on Sacramento. So Oak Park used to be the highfalutin neighborhood. This is where the money used to be back in the early 1900s. 
A lot of people don't know that Sacramento used to be the beer mecca of the United States. Yeah, so all of this history I learned, you know, so... Uh, and why was it? Because the, the mining? You could grow everything here. You had the hops, the grains, you know, you could do it all here. You know, so with the trolleys, I always questioned the street that I lived on. It's the weirdest street I used to live on, San Francisco. So you had your one-way, your two-way in the middle, and on the sides, it was like, you can only get one car <laughs> yeah, like down the street. And I was like, man, why is this street like this? And they were like, oh, this is where the trolleys used to turn around. So wow. they would go down San Francisco Boulevard and turn around and come back, you know? So there used to be a, a, an amusement park in Oak Park at McClatchy Park, you know? So the old Oak Park Brewing Company, they had beers that played on that. You know, like I think there there was one beer called the Joy Ride, Joyland, or Joy Ride, or something like that. But that referenced the amusement park that was right there in McClatchy Park. Wonder, what's it called, the Wonderland? One, no, it was like mm. Joyland or something like that. You know, so yeah, it's I know what you're talking about. It's across from know, the zoo. Like, no, that's I know what you're talking about. That's Funderland. 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 Yeah, so it wasn't that. It was a straight up amusement park with like right a here? roller coaster. And all that stuff. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So it was an amusement park. But uh, the Black Panther Party used to have an office here back in the days. There was actually a shootout in McClatchy Park with the police officers Whoa. and the Black Panthers. So there's a lot of history in Oak Park. And, you know, you guys probably didn't notice the Hells Angels, they have a clubhouse in Oak Park. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I used to live on 6th Ave. And one night I was like, who the fuck's riding these motorcycles? And it was just like, like Harley's, you know? So I was just like, what's going on? And, uh, you know, my neighbor, she was hella cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, Hell's Angels, they have a clubhouse right around the corner. And years and years down the line with the business that I left to come to Oak Park, we used to cater all of their events with beer. <laughs> so I ended up meeting a couple of the dudes and they were cool, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were, they were chill. They would do their thing on the weekend, that one weekend and it's quiet. But uh, yeah, so there's a lot of history in Oak Park. When I decided to move to Oak Park, everybody was like, Oh, you don't want to move to Oak Park. Yeah. I got you a lot know? of that too. And I was like, man, cool. I, I moved cool. to Oak Park. I met doctors, lawyers, knuckleheads, like all kinds of people. And I was like, dude, this is hella cool. It's a real melting so, pot. Yeah, yeah. And it was dope, man. It was just people trying to live their lives, you know, but uh, nothing bad happened. My neighbors were cool. Uh, I eventually ended up moving to Colonial Heights, which is, you know. Oh, right down the down, way. Yeah, right yeah, down yeah. the way, man. But to me, where I come from, all of this, it's all the same to me whether you're in Citrus Heights or the Paso Heights or whatever, this is Sacramento. We are Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but no, man, it's like, yeah, if it wasn't for the community, like Oak Park Brewing wouldn't be what it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could also say that the community wouldn't be with what it is without Oak Park Brewery. Because it's, it's, dude, people, it's like a, it's a watering hole. You know mm. what I mean? Pe 
it's a watering hole. People go there and like today I went in there. People got their laptops up. They're doing work. They're drinking a beer. They're having dinner. There's people on the patio. It's yeah. it's Wednesday night. And people are just like hanging out on the patio. They got kids running around. You know, I come here with my family and my kids are running around. They're, you know, it's as a place that feels good. Yeah, yeah. It's a place that feels good, man. And, yeah. and and that's what communities need. They need places that make people feel good. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was the vision. And Kevin started talking about that. And I was like, okay, now it's starting to, you know, I'm starting to feel that vibe. And uh, we just stuck to that, man. You know, it's like, we're good people. You know, the one thing that I like about us, if we mess up, we own it. And I tell people all the time, man, if you mess up, just own it. People are, people will forgive. They won't forget. Own it. Keep moving forward. And it's like, hey, I messed up. Oh, how can I fix this? Keep moving forward. But if you don't own it, you can't. Yeah, can't you can't, can't grow it from it. Yeah, you, you can't, can't grow. Get it you can't grow from it, man. Yeah, like yeah. if you, if you fuck up, I think the the first thing you have to do is like you said, own it. And the next thing is like, okay, what am I going to pull from this? Yeah. Like, how do you, how do I use this going forward? Because they say, um, what is it? There's no losses, just lessons. I like that. Yeah, no losses, just lessons. Yeah, but I like that. Even you know, it's like, you know, with school, we were talking about going to college. Uh, like, <laughs> this is funny. A couple of my coaches, they always say. Yeah, we went to college, you know, it's like we got these receipts. <laughs> That's what they are now, like receipts. This is what we owe for this education, you know. But uh, definitely, man, just I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I was trying to get the joke off. It's a receipt. But, uh, yeah, man, we just we just got to keep doing what we're doing. You know, that was that was part of our vision, you know, the community well, here in art. I think I think a lot of people like they don't realize that all your losses in life get you to your biggest wins. Yeah. Oh, and I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. You know, I never like when I started JC and that's something I want to do in the future, like finish school, you know. So. When I heard, well, you got to go to college to have something to fall back on. That never made sense to me. Like, why would you want to fall back? You can hurt yourself falling back. <laughs> you want to fail forward, right? Yeah, fail forward. Fail forward. You know, so it's every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, I just kind of cringe. Why would you want to fall back? So to me, it's like if you're in a wartime situation, when you were told to fall back, what were you doing? You're running away. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, but if you're trying to accomplish something in that same scenario, got to move forward got to flank you know you just gotta you get some people aren't gonna make it but you gotta keep pushing forward you know? I, I think that's a, one of the things that holds people back is they're afraid of who they're gonna leave behind like consciously or unconsciously they're afraid of who they're gonna leave behind and there's there's some friends that i've left behind and and maybe not even behind maybe they're just on a different path they're, they're just, you know, we're all on different paths. And sometimes our, our paths, like, we're we're on the same path for so long that we think we're supposed to stay on the same path as, yeah. these, as these people. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, it's like, you know, when you ride the bus 
Right. And you ride the bus with your friends and they get off before you do. Or sometimes you get off before them. And then you got to keep going because you guys have different stops. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's a thing. And I think that people a lot of times don't want to give up that companionship. You know, even if, you know, that's why people stay in bad relationships. That's why people stay in bad friendships. And sometimes even if it's a good friendship, if it if it holds you back from doing what you know you're meant to do. You know, if that person's really your friend, they're going to tell you, man, go get that. We'll catch up. Like, like, that's how I feel about all the friends that, like, I've kind of just lost touch with because we're in different parts of our lives. Like, I, I know that they're like, man, go get yours. And, you know, when I see them or, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever, I'm like, man, go get yours. You know what I mean? And and I think that holds a lot of people back from from pulling that trigger on that, yeah, yeah. On, on that, on that big decision. That was what you just said, man. That that cut like a knife. You know, it's like uh, I know with where I am right now, out here in California, like we had it sweet back home and in you know Southwest, but uh, when we touched down in Cali, it was ground zero. <laughs> it's still ground zero. Had to but pull I that belt tight, man. You talking about putting in some work? Uh, if if you're not about it, you're not gonna move forward. And this is something that I've been thinking about lately. Success is different for everybody. You know, so even in my failures, I succeeded. You know, what did I learn? Okay, I know I can do this. I know I can do this again, get it to where you know, where I wanted it to be, even though it fell off, but I know I can get it back to there and move forward. You know, so I I heard this like a while back, uh, you know, if you lose a million dollars, you know how to make a million dollars again. Yeah, I heard that too. You just keep, you keep moving forward. You know what you know, you know, and that happened. It's a reason and a season. What did you take away from it? You know, so with entrepreneurs, from what I've experienced, it's like, man, no risk, no reward. Yeah, high risk, high reward. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but yeah, man, I've really enjoyed being here. So this conversation is <laughs> nice, man. I like having conversations. Well, bro, like I, every time we get together, I'm like, this could be a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Every time we talk, bro, even if it's just yeah. like 10 minutes or whatever, because I usually drop in, you know, before the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's usually you and Mike hanging out. Yeah, we're like, man, you can't get drunk before the podcast. <laughs> so. Oh, bro, that, that's why I started ordering the eight <laughs> ounces. I started ordering an, an uh, eight ounce pour as I go over there because I'd order a 16 ounce and then uh, I'd get to the podcast and I'd be like. Chilled out yeah, and I'm had a, a cold a, one. Yeah, I'm a beer ahead of all you fuckers. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. fucking, I better chill, man. So so now I get the little eight ounce and a glass of water and I'm like, okay, let's, let's see. And then I, I usually put out my notes. Because it was interesting because with you, like you don't, you're not really on the gram. Man, I, I like I have social media platforms, but it's like, I just, I don't have time like that. You yeah. Know, it's, it's an like, investment. Yeah. Cause like when I showed up here, I got here early <laughs> and I came from the print shop. So I'm tired. And I was just like, so I was like, man, if I sit down, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm 
Yeah, because you were leaving like, the brewery as I got there to fill up the, the growler. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but uh, it's like, you know, it's like if you know where you want to go, you got to keep moving, man. You got to get up you and get there. You can't be complacent. You can't, you know, just sit there, you know, uh, going back to reasons and seasons. You know, everything happens for a reason. That's my philosophy. You're going to learn something. If you're stuck in that rut, like, not why am I stuck in this rut? How am I stuck stuck in this rut? Yes. You know, like, how can I get out of this? What's, like, why am I here? There's something that I need to learn. Or there's somebody that's supposed to come along and give me some information or share something with me to get me over this hump. But if you find yourself in the same spot, not why, how? How am I here? As a, it's a different That's perspective. A, it's, a, it's, it's a different mindset. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're saying how, now you're open to the, the fact that it might be your fault. Some people make excuses. Right. As yeah. It was an ultimate ownership. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know who Jocko Willink is? No, who is Jocko? He's like a he's a Navy SEAL dude. He's oh yeah, like yeah, I know he's speaker. Speaker. yeah, 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 yeah. I know what so he's talking about. when shit goes bad, he says good. Yeah, he says good. That's that's gonna take you to that next level. And yeah, he's like, this yeah. is something you got to get through. It's like yeah. good. Get it, this. You get it out of the way. Yeah. Something bad happened. Good. Yeah. Get out of the way. Move on. Move forward. Learn from it. Let's go. Yeah. And and that's kind of like how I am. And and like I. I, I encourage people like when when shit gets tough, when shit gets tight, when you feel like you're not making enough progress. Okay, well then, what can you learn from where you're at? What can you learn from where you're at? Like start there, not start like oh I wish I was here. People always say I wish I was there, I wish I was this, I wish I was that. Like like that's cool, but what are you if you're if you're always looking ahead? What are you not taking from now? Yeah, not you know you gotta speak your your. Like what you want to do into the cosmos. You know, I wish. No, you're there. Man, I'm there. Yeah, you're alive, dude. You yeah. know how hard it is to be alive? Gratitude. Be grateful for what you have and you know, just keep writing it down and speaking it. You know, and you're, and you're going to get there. It's like my journey hasn't been easy since I touched down in California. Like a lot of people don't know that I was homeless but I was everywhere I was supposed to be like that's a state of mind, you know, and that's just in my personal opinion, but I, I didn't feel comfortable sleeping on the streets, you know, but I was like, man, I knew that wasn't me. I wasn't cut from that cloth the whole time I was homeless. My mom and my dad was like, man, well, you know, we can bring you, we can get you home. I was like, no, nope. man. Nope. I was like, I ain't cut from that cloth. I see what you guys do. I was like, this is my job moment. And what's crazy with me and being homeless, I was reading the scriptures. I read it. I started it on Thanksgiving. It took me six months. I finished it in May. But like when I read the job story, I was like, I was going through that. And I was like, Wow craziest thing when I came out of the biggest thing that I wanted when I was homeless was to take a shower I was like man when I came out of that storm I was like I got a crappy apartment but like man I sat in the shower 
for almost 45 minutes till the water ran cold, man. And I, I mean, I see it's like tear up thinking about it, man, because all I wanted to do was take a shower. Even though I could take a shower at my friend's spot and just bounce out. and But like that shower, man, it's like, that means a lot to me because I was like, dude, I'm not a quitter. You know, and I wasn't sharing what I was going through with a lot of people. It's that people that I knew that I could count on, but I didn't want them to be inconvenienced because of me. And then I really found out who my so-called associates were. They used to be friends. Now there's associates and acquaintances, you know. So that was very eye-opening, but uh, that was a spiritual awakening for me. Because I believe in myself and the higher power. You know, outside of that, it's like, that's all I got. You know, that that motivates me to keep going. And, you know, I think that speaks to your character, bro, because look at how far you've come. Right? Because there's some gratitude. Bro, because there's some I'm people. I'm grateful. But the, the thing is, like, you're, you're grateful, but you're not complacent. Because some people no. get to that, look at some people get to that shower and they say, I'm good. I'm good. That's it. This is what it was all for. I mean, and and that's cool, man. And some people call that humility. Some people call that gratefulness. That's cool, dude. You know, it's crazy. In the shower, I'm going, man, the water's hard today. I'm smelling chlorine. And I'm in the beer world. (laughs) You know, it's like, this this water's hard. This would be good water to brew a stout right now. You know, so uh, that's my brain. But see, that's, that's why you're where you're at, right? Yeah. Because you're you're always thinking about your craft. You're always thinking about, you know, you're you have a you have a goal in mind, and you're taking in everything around you, and you're and you're just kind of gathering up ammo for that next, that next thing that's coming up. Yeah, yeah, and like the which, next fight. Yeah, yeah, because like you you mentioned humility. You know, I had a conversation with somebody that I worked for many years ago. The work environment was toxic, very negative. And they came into the brewery a couple of days ago. My natural instinct was like, yeah, I know who you are. I want to punch you in the forehead right now. <laughs> you know, but then I learned something about myself. I'm a good dude. Even though I was treated like shit, you know, that whole crew they pulled me into the office one day and said that I was bringing the morale down. <laughs> there was only five of us at this business, and I would roll in with my headphones, listen to my positive whatever, you know, my uh, motivational speeches, yada, yada, yada. And that was like, wow. But I knew how to handle that situation. You know, but just looking back at it, when that guy approached me the other night, I was just like, hey, man, thank you for coming in. Yeah, you know, it's like we have a great opportunity, blah, 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 blah. You know, I was just like, man, I know I'm not a bad person. See, but that's true humility. Yeah, yeah. See, true humility is when you have the opportunity to fucking flex on somebody and instead you're kind. I mean, it's not pretending you're weak. It's not pretending you're, you know, afraid or that you're less than. It's true humility is owning who you are 
and sharing that with kindness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, it was it was eye opening for me because you know I was just processing it, man. Like when things like resonate with me super deep, I have to process it. Yeah, you know, and I was just like, okay, you know, it was just like, yeah. I say some crazy shit sometimes, <laughs> but I'm a good dude. I, I can say some outrageous, you know, Bro, I was like, as, but I'm a good ask dude. my wife when I'm getting ready in the morning, dumb shit that comes out of my face. <laughs> we all do, bro. But like I said, it, it's, it's in those times when, when you can say something mean or you can, you know, have your get backs and you say, you know what? I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be, I'm going to be hospitable. I'm going to, I'm going to go out of my way for somebody who showed me they wouldn't go out of their way for me, but I'm not that way. And I'm not going to go tit for tat with somebody because then I'm coming out of my character. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just reverting back to being homeless, you know, it's like when I ended up getting this apartment, I had friends that were going through stuff, you know, one friend in particular, and once I found out his situation, you know, I was like, hey, man, I ain't got a lot. I got shelter. I got food. Whatever you need, here's the key. Mi casa es su casa. Yeah. I was yeah. like, man, it's like, man, you know, it's just like, I think that's in my DNA. My mom and my dad are like that, you know. So, you know, just getting older, man, you start learning about yourself, you know. So, with that one person, man, he's doing amazing in his life right now. You know, and I'm just like, wow, I had a play in that. He was, I knew this kid when he was 17, didn't have any aspirations. He wanted to be a janitor. You know, as a, he wanted to be a janitor. But his mom had aspirations of him being a pimp. You know, to see where he is right now, man. I'm I'm so glad I met that dude. He was always a good kid, you know, but like looking at him now, it's like, man, I'm like, you did that, you know, so super proud of him. And I don't know if you'll hear this or not, but you know who you are and keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Dude, one of the other things that kind of uh, made me go, what? You told me uh, you're you, you're a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, you told me that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so what part of... Yeah, I, I started playing music at an early age. Uh, you know, so my weapon of choice is the bass guitar. But I, at age 13, I really started pursuing music. You know, it was something that I had to work at. I got good at it. Uh, age 16... Started doing a lot of shows with my first, my first legit band, and it just took off, man. And I don't regret it. I would do it all over again. It's definitely a young man's, <laughs> <laughs> like touring is a young man's. It's a young man's game. Yeah. Game, yeah. But uh, that brought me out to Cali. One of the reasons that I'm here is music. All the bands that we were meeting on tour that were from California, they were like, dude, you guys got to come out here. We've done everything on the East Coast, Southwest, and the Midwest. We've never been to the West Coast. Um, our last tour, 
we're out for three months and uh the drummer quit halfway through ouch yeah and the only reason we were doing the tour is because he said he wanted to do it we didn't have to do it but he wanted to do it so that wasn't a good look (laughs) but we had a commitment to fulfill our tour dates so the guitarists were a three-piece, me, the guitarist, and the tour, tour manager. You know, we worked it out. Uh, so we're like, hey, man, let's go to the West Coast. And uh, this is so crazy to talk about this now. The missing link for my band ended up, when we moved out here, he was in a band. And then my buddy linked me up with a guitar player. And... This, oh man, this is this is gonna be a great book. But a long story short, the guy that eventually ended up playing drums for us, he was around us for a year, bugging me. Hey, Raj, man, let me let me audition for Sands. Blah 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 blah. And he was young, you know. I knew he was a good drummer, and he bugged me for like a year. And finally, one day, I was like, "All right, it's like if we're gonna do this, and you're that dude." We don't do it half-ass. It's like, we do what we do, you know, with this. And, uh, you know, I shot him a couple songs to learn. And uh, I I remember this like it was yesterday. We ended up meeting at our rehearsal space. And I was like, okay, we're going to play the hardest song, which is the shortest song ever in our set. It's very technical. It's very fast. Very, like, you have to have musicianship and the drums. I'm like, I don't know how he's going to do on this. Song's probably 45 seconds long. You know, so we hit it. And I was like, damn. I was like, hey, let's play that again. You know, I was like, maybe he just got lucky. (laughs) Bam, he hit it. I already knew what I knew in my mind, you know, so we ran through some other stuff and I was like, you know what, man, let me go outside and talk to this guy real quick. So I was like, Hey man, what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I know he's a good drummer. You know, what do you think? He goes, man, it sounded good. Sounded good. You know, so he was banking on the sound. I was banking on the potential and the chemistry Right between us, because you can't you can't like, fake that. Yeah, so I knew those first the first song we played twice. I was like, technically, he was the guy. You know, so you know we had a conversation. Went in, was like, hey man, we can't promise you much, but if you ever need drumsticks or whatever, you know we're on the road. You ain't got to pay for anything, you know. But uh. I think you're the guy. You got potential, and I like your chemistry. He's always been a good dude still to this day. I call him Uncle Matt. <laughs> Just to see him grow from, you know, like his teenager to now, I'm like, when I was homeless, he was the only person that stepped to me like a man. He was like, man, what's going on? Like, I was like, oh, this motherfucker grew up. Now I'm having conversations with him. He's checking on me. 
So shouts out to Uncle Matt. Uh, as a drummer, he got better to where people were like wanting him to play on their albums, you know. And, oh, and then he like a session guy. It was just in general, like everybody was like, "Dude, Matt's the dopest drummer. He's a real badass rock drummer," you know. So, uh, you know, we're in rehearsal one day. He goes, man, you guys are the only band that challenges me, like, technically. And I was like, man, I'm not a drummer, but I know what I hear in my head. I don't play drums, but I can sit behind a drum set and yeah. bang it out and let you know, oh, this is what I'm hearing. And he goes, yeah, man, but uh, great dude. His family's great. And uh, I'm, I'm glad I met him. You know, it's like, I wish we had him. <laughs> Like on the East Coast, but never had an issue. He's not, he's not weird. You can talk to him. He's smart. He's actually a, a what is it, a, a pharmacist. Oh. Yeah, he's a pharmacist now, you know. And, yeah, man, great dude. So shouts out to Mick and Matt, you know, San Sobriety. That's the name of the band. We've done a lot. Yeah. So we're, we're talking, man. But uh, music, I love music. I have, I, I always do music. That's my passion, you know, as, as well as beer. Uh, it'll always be in my life. Uh, I've done a lot of sessions. I have a few projects that will be performing whenever things open up. Uh, as like Kanye says, I do, I do dope shit. Yeah. Not being fat-headed. No, but, look, as, if you know, you're going to be... And a successful artist, I think you have to have that voice, among other voices. You got to have that voice that says, I do dope shit. I'm fucking dope. Yeah, you have to have that confidence. Otherwise, you're not going to take risks. And if you don't take risks, you're going to be fucking boring. Yeah, and, I, and like, truth be told, man, I'd rather be in the background. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't have to be in the forefront. But be in I the groove. like, you've got that voice and people listen to you. You got that influence, you know, and it like with the music. What I do cuts through, you know, so, and that's why I don't really, you know, I'm not looking for the upfront, upfront fame of like, you don't have to know me, but you're going to hear me and you're going to feel me on the dance floor, you know, so. I, okay, so what, what kind of bass player are you? Are you like a, a like a pocket, like. Man, I, drummer, I do are, are you are, are you a melodic kind of like I play I all styles of music and that's why I, I get hit up to do stuff. You know, it's like a lot of people don't know that I was in a band called Nevada Backwards. Uh we won Sammy's, you know. It's like uh, I have my punk rock band, San Sobriety, I got my hip hop group, Fever in the Funk House, I have Kamikaze Music Ensemble, which this is the dopest project I've ever been in because we don't rehearse <laughs> and we just show up and do gigs and it's all improv and people are like, dude, where can we get this music? And I started recording our live sessions, but like, dude, we have tons of them, you know, but that gave me something. It influenced me to do something, but I have all of those things. So, you know, in the next few months, I'm going to launch a website to where you can check out my life. You know, like, I'm very, I, I guess you can say I'm a recluse. My private life, I don't really share a lot, you know, but, like, with my music journey and beer, a lot of people don't know that I was an artist. I do a lot of stuff, you know. I have a, a love for crochet 
can I make beanies? <laughs> People don't know that. that. I got like 200 beanies I need to get rid of. <laughs> They're just taking Did you knit space. the one you're wearing? No, this one was bought. Okay. This was, yeah, somebody, yeah, this was made. But uh, yeah, if you see, yeah, I do a lot of stuff. I wear many hats. And uh, well, I think maybe that's that, that trait that you have is probably why you're so good at so many things because you like trying new shit. And you're just fucking curious about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, you know, when I, when I found out you were a musician and this was just like a couple of weeks ago or when, when I approached you about being on the, the podcast, I found out you're a musician. I'm like, ah, that makes sense. And then I started like watching like how you and Jeff interact. And I'm like, ah, you guys are fucking artists. You guys might not be fucking painting on canvases or, you know, sketching in books, but you guys are artists. And I'm like, of course, dude, of course, because you can't teach. I don't think you can teach greatness. You, you can inform greatness, right? You can be like this person who, who says like, hey, look, this is how you hold a brush. Yeah. Or, hey, look, this is how you pour, like you want to pour it in like this. Yeah. Like this, this is what you want to do. You, you can give people some technique. You can give people some tools, but that's not going to make them great on its own. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean? There, there has to be like this, this thing that's outside the box that you can't quite, like, like you remember Barry Sanders? Yeah, yeah. You think somebody could teach that dude how to run like that? It's, it's, you know, I, I can even go deeper than that. Let's go. OJ Simpson, <laughs> well known fullback, running back, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. He didn't have any ACLs. You're right. That dude was fucking, that dude was fucked in college. Yeah. Yeah. In college. Yeah. Crazy. That's like, how do you, you know, he was just like, oh, this is what I want to do. Nobody told him, hey, man, you don't have any ACLs. <laughs> you know, he's just, they weren't there. They was like, that shit was not good. Well, that's why he had you such know? a short NFL career. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but in college, that dude was, no ACLs fucking killing it. Because I was getting ready, you know, but he's still out here killing it. <laughs> you know? So I had to make the yeah, fucking yeah, pun, yeah. dog. Yeah, there's a man, there's art everywhere. It's art and words. Ah, see what we're doing here, guys? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Hey, so listen, I, I dude, first off, thank you for being here, man. This is this is awesome. Uh I shout you guys out all the time. Hey, thank you, man. Of thank course, you. of course. But listen, I ask everybody, right? You know, God forbid you're abducted by an alien tonight on your way home and you're just gone, right? You're just gone. We don't know what happened to you. You know, you're just gone. Somebody says, yeah, I saw a beam of light over his car and then all of a sudden car's empty, still running. What would you like your legacy to be? What do you want to be remembered for after you're gone? And you know what? Uh, and this is something I, I say to my son and my daughter. And when it's all said and done, I just want them to say, man, I respected my dad. That's my legacy, you know, and it's their life. They can pick and choose to use whatever I've sowed into them. But I think that's, that's my legacy. And I respect it. Guy. That's beautiful, man. So. All right. Well, thank you very much for your hey. time, my brother. And we'll, uh, we'll be, Getting together again soon. I'll see, yeah. you. I'll see you next Thanks. time before the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I got a shout out. You know, we are Sacramento for a 
Nichols, oh. and the big homies over here. Now, Mario over here, Ozzy, quiet. Hopefully, he's going to feel better soon, man. I'll leave this here so you can put that in Hey, here. let's go. Yeah, yeah. But no, Phil, thank you. Uh, man, if you guys need us for anything, man, we're there. Yes, sir. Oh, man, thank you. Good people. Same, brother. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Anything Phil, I can do, you. man, let me know. It's all good, man. All right. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by We Are Sacramento and the Loft. Peace.